Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 95. He's Dave Brian. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. No Wednesday shows you guys noticed. Dave and I decided by Wednesday morning it was already pretty quiet. It's picked up a little bit, you could say, as the Pittsburgh Steelers at the 2024 NFL Combine in Indianapolis uh, the first day happened on Thursday, defensive guys, edge rushers, defense alignment, and linebackers. And so, motoring right along, Dave, we have plenty to discuss. Absolutely, and I feel much better. I can hear you. I probably sound a little bit better. I probably sound chippier on top of it. They get, got rid of about all that airplane bug uh, that, that I usually always get. So, uh, man, we got a lot to talk about. And, man, it's that time of year again. We're, we're hitting them spreadsheets today, weren't we? Uh, <laughs> uh, filling in the blanks there. And, obviously, you know, ho- ho- we'll obviously see what some of these linebackers, you know, how many of those guys end up doing things like the short shuttle and, and the three-cone and all like that i miss the old days alex used to wake up and uh uh boy real early here out in vegas and get a cup of coffee and then you'll turn on (laughs) turn on NFL (laughs) network and start logging those times and now they're obviously the last couple years later in the day but uh i I get used to it there but uh where do you want to start today that's a good question and just a quick note since you mentioned it for anyone who wants to follow along for the combine for all the measurements and times 40 vertical broad jump etc we have a daily uh, uh post that'll include in it a link to uh, a, a spreadsheet that they've mentioned that records everything so it's a one-stop shop for all the combine information yeah where the heck to start i mean you know what came out on we're recording this thursday night by the way because friday's gonna be busy with interviews in the morning so just kind of the best time for us to do that um but on wednesday there was the nflpa survey report card that did not treat the steelers kindly we can talk about that there's bill hillgrove's retirement there's today's events omar khan speaking to the media you you I'll, you pick this one dave i don't know where to go yeah let's start with that uh report card and get that knocked out real quick here Okay, so yeah, Wednesday, uh, the second, I believe, second annual NFLPA survey came out. It's done by the players for each team that grades them in a variety of categories. And again, Pittsburgh did not uh, come out favorably in that survey, ranking 28th overall out of the 32 NFL teams. Art Rooney, the second worst grade of any owner in football, only ahead of the Chiefs, Clark Hunt. And that was basically centering around, you know, a question of being asked about how willing do you believe the owner is to invest in team facilities? And he got a low score, 5.8 out of 10, an F grade overall. But it was certainly not the only low grade and demerit from the players' feedback in terms of the weight room and team travel. And uh, I think other, it was several other categories I'm going to pull up here in just one moment. So uh, your reaction to these grades, Dave, does it matter? Does it mean anything? Will changes come from it? What are your thoughts? First and foremost, these grades were only slightly better than my high school report card. Hey, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, coming off of, 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 of how this team graded out last year, I don't know if you got those pulled up or not, but I do and, know. Or, or, or where they ranked uh, overall. 
uh, organizationally. Where did, where did they rank overall organizationally last year? 22nd down to 28th this year. Okay. So they actually dropped, you know, uh, and in more than a few spaces or spots as well there uh, on top of it. Uh, you know, just looking at this year's grades, uh, uh, categorically treatment of families F minus really obviously stuck out the locker room F their training room D plus uh, team travel a D and then owner in 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 F there uh, you know I, I obviously have not been in that facility to see what's going on and I think uh, I, I I'd like to think that for the most part, and, and even I think JJ Watt put something out on Twitter, something along the lines that, you know, a lot of these uh, player surveys or whatnot and rankings go in the trash can. But uh, one thing that usually does not go into the trash can are are are, are these uh, uh, grade surveys and all like that. So uh, it is a bit concerning overall to look at some of these things and. Uh, especially on the heels, boy, what a time for a news dump too! right after the salary cap comes out and, and, you know, you had the increase that you had there over last year. And uh, obviously the, the, the timing of it with the combine getting underway, you're going to get max eyes on that. So props to the NFL PA for the whole timing uh, thing here. Uh, you know, it, 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 it is concerning overall. And especially when you're talking about, you know, billion dollar franchises and in, in, in the state of the NFL and how, how it looks great over there. Now, look, do I, do I think that everything should be a country club, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, no, but it is concerning, especially to me, there should be some sort of standard, I guess, or at least, I mean, look, you got field standards and you know, you've got certain standards around the NFL. You would like to hope that, you know, uh, some, some checks would be put in place where, you know, you have to have at, at a minimum this, and maybe there is that maybe, you know, they're just, uh, grading these things off of, of what they have, what they hear their buddies on other teams have and all like that. But, uh, you would like to obviously see these grades be higher. Now, uh, what, what is the solution to this? You know, I don't know, uh, as far as location where the facility is and, and all the building codes and what they can do and add, you know, that this might be something where a lot of this might have to be upgraded when, and if the team moves, you know, facility. And obviously they do share uh, some things with the university of Pittsburgh. So uh, I, you know, I, all I, all I am able to do here is just look at the grades and say, that's disappointing because Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't have any more, context uh personally to provide other than that but i mean the fact that you know the 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 key categories here are the treatment of families which i I think that revolves around uh some child care aspects uh to help with that and obviously the locker room uh and then uh the you know the, the 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 training room and then you know, the, the, the team travel, I think is the most concerning, I guess, just the owner is a byproduct of, of, of whether or not they, they think he needs to spend more money. Right. 
Yeah, to be clear, my understanding is the owner grade was really based solely off one question of how willing do you believe your owner is to invest in your facilities? An important question, but the F doesn't necessarily represent that the players hate Art Rooney II or right. that he's a bad guy or anything about a personal feeling and relationship towards the owner. So that is important to be made known. But obviously, the facilities that they work in and uh, training every single day is also important, and Pittsburgh is receiving really poor marks for that. I mean, you live there in town. I mean, you've you you've probably driven by there a lot, or have driven by there a lot more than I have. Uh, do you have any any more kind of in depth or, or or knowledge? Just you know, probably being around more local reports. Not much. I think one pushback I saw from some of the reporters who are in that building um, is that there's a space issue because it's kind of in an awkward spot with, I think so rail railroad track. I know there's always a train that goes by. I always hear that during mini camp when they're doing interviews or, you know, post-practice type stuff. And I think there's maybe some river or some, some body of water there that may hamper expansion a little bit, but I think some of the commentary and criticism and feedback didn't necessarily say they needed more space. Some of it was, but some of it was the some of the equipment's outdated or some things they could probably install that wouldn't be incredible space concerns. For example, Pittsburgh, one of the few teams without a sauna, and there's probably a benefit to that in just terms of your taking care of yourself and um, you know physical wellness aspect of it. That I'm sure Pittsburgh, if they really needed to, they they could find a way to do that. And in the childcare, which is more of an in, in stadium thing, I believe, than it is a, a, a team practice facility concern. So, you know, am I going to lose sleep over this? No. Are we all going to forget this report card in a month when the draft and free agency rolls around? Yes. We're not going to talk about it again. I get that. But I think there's a desire to be competitive in all aspects on the field and off the field. And I think if players are having these concerns as an owner, you have to take those seriously and understand the feedback. And it's been at least two years where you've kind of gotten similar feedback that seems to be getting worse. And listen to the concerns of your players and making sure that they're heard and, and taken care of. doesn't mean, as you said, they have to roll out the red carpet and they're never going to compete with probably Dallas in these, you know, crazy, crazy structures that are being built. Not, not saying you have to do that, but want to make sure you're not putting yourself at a disadvantage in terms of either for agency attractiveness or just the day-to-day environment in which you work. All right. I, 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 you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time on this, obviously, but it is the most damning grade of all this, the F for the owner and, and, and the way you characterized how that was graded, the, 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 uh, the player's thoughts on, on the willingness to address some of these things. Yeah, I would say so. To me, the ownership grade is really just an aggregate score of everything above the facilities, which is pretty poor across the board. Um, that, that's really where I think that ownership grade is coming from. Head coach got an A. Yeah, if there's one thing, I mean, you know, Mike Tom, one of the highest grades and players felt like they listened to him and Tomlin was good with their time. And so, listen, they say it publicly, but apparently they feel the same privately because Tomlin gets high marks. Let me just ask you kind of the last thing on the ownership, because I think one of the common retorts seeing this report card, which is negative towards Pittsburgh, is, well, the Chiefs were ranked even lower overall than Pittsburgh. They were 31st overall. The only owner who got a worse grade than Art Rooney was uh, Clark Hunt of Kansas City. So if the Chiefs have low grades and they're winning Super Bowls, who cares? None of this really matters. Uh, I, I suppose you can look at it that way, but I mean, I, I think you want to look at, I think you want to separate the church and the state there. 
I'm with you. I mean, they have Patrick Mahomes, and Pittsburgh does not have Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. And until that happens, I, I don't think you can compare that one-to-one. This is not to say that Pittsburgh needs to have an updated locker room to win a Super Bowl. It's not right. going to necessarily make the team more successful. But again, it's just, you know, you have people that you're employing, and they're giving you feedback about their facilities, which I think are important and, and vital to your everyday just work and culture. And Again, not saying you have to do every single thing to make it the most, you know, just top of the line facility in the world. But if there's some things you can think about about how to improve things, especially when it comes to your weight room and uh, I think childcare can be important for, for families just to have a, a good environment, it's worthwhile to at least take those into serious consideration and I think slowly work towards making some upgrades. Yeah, and go buy a Patrick Mahomes, too. That wouldn't hurt. Yeah, just get one of those <laughs> off the street. The other better mark that Pittsburgh got was with their strength coaches. Uh, B-plus, it was only 20th overall, but a B-plus, although those guys are basically gone. They've retooled their strength and conditioning coaching staff with Marcel Pastor gone, bringing in some new people. So that was a, one of the better grades they got, but really kind of a moot point considering some of the off-season turnover. And I guess the food and cafeteria is pretty good there, huh? Yeah, B minus. So uh, I guess it's okay overall. So uh, that's your report card. You know, again, we don't, don't want to spend an incredible amount of time on it. Uh, I think it's it's notable, and, and I think the continuation of the grades getting worse is something to to definitely discuss and make a note of. But again, once free agency opens in two and a half weeks, we're all talking about that, and these things will become an afterthought. All right. Hopefully, they grade much better next year. All right, Dave, before we get into uh, the Combine stuff, Omar Khan, one other quick note announcement that came out early Thursday morning, longtime Pittsburgh Steelers play-by-play announcer Bill Hillgrove announcing his retirement from calling Steelers games. He will still do pit games for the foreseeable future, but Hillgrove uh, stepping down from the mic after 30 years as the play-by-play man in Pittsburgh, calling a pair of Super Bowls and a ton of memorable moments. No word on who his potential replacement is or will be or in consideration of. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the only play-by-play guy I've ever known, Bill Hill, Hillgrove. I was born in 93. He got hired in 94 uh, full-time for the Steelers. So uh, that is certainly going to be a big difference for 2024. Quite a run, quite, uh, quite way, way too many to remember memorable calls that he's had along the way. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, definitely going to uh, be remembered for sure. It will be interesting who they tab to uh, fill his shoes. Any idea? I mean, is Bob Pompiana going to be up for that or is there any rumbling so far? Anybody you'd like to see? How about you, Dave? You get in the booth. Oh, call no, play by play? no, 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 no. That would that would be more uh, a considerable downgrade <laughs> on the report card. Um, no, I don't have anybody in mind. I hadn't really thought about it much, but I just wanted to uh, you know, wish Bill Hillgrove well. And I met him one time. We have a college event and uh, our school got invited and I got the chance to talk with Bill Hillgrove and really gracious guy. Good to talk to. So I have that memory, but uh, wish him well. Absolutely. All right, Dave, let's dive into the big news of the day. We'll we'll talk about the Combine interviews and on-field stuff here shortly, but Omar Khan, he had his uh, original press conference scheduled for this past Tuesday. That got postponed until today, and so he made his media rounds. Our Joe Clark, Jonathan Hytrid, or Ross McCorkle in attendance. Of course, the big question we knew he'd be asked about is your thoughts on the quarterback situation in the future, and he as Mike Tomlin and Art Rooney did express full confidence in Kenny Pickett. I'll pull up the quote here to read the entire thing uh, off to you guys, but it was uh, pretty much in lockstep with what Tomlin and Rooney had to say. He said, quote, I have full faith in Kenny. 
He's shown us some good things. Obviously, there were some issues with the offense, and I'm excited about the impact that Arthur Smith's going to have on him. Arthur's very optimistic about Kenny. I know they've communicated. Did go on to say that there's going to be strong competition, which again is basically following what Tomlin and Rooney have said. But uh, publicly, the team continues to stand by Kenny Pickett. Well, first and foremost, I don't think we expected him to come out and say, you know what, we're done with Kenny. Valid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, within all that, and uh, you only have one quarterback under contract on this roster right now, so you better act like you're uh, you're at least comfortable with that guy until you add add to that room there. So, uh, not not surprising there, but uh, he went out of his way, I think, in 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 really all three interviews because he was also on Sirius XM Radio uh, this afternoon as well too and uh made it clear that they're probably going to you know they they're they're a team that likes to carry three quarterbacks into the season i think even if you roll back a couple of the last time that uh that they that 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 con uh talked about anything or or even art rooney the second uh probably going to be four quarterbacks on the roster here uh before too much longer especially by the time camp uh gets uh open and we're going to have to wait a little more, probably right around two weeks because the start of the new league year starts in just under two weeks. And, you know, by, I don't know, 14, I don't know, 21 more days, we should have, you would think, at least one more quarterback in a room and possibly even two or three more, right? And, uh, and, 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 and until that happens or until anything monumental happens with some of these other quarterbacks, several that have been, uh, I, I don't want to say rumored, specu speculated as, as to you know maybe landing in 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 Pittsburgh. Mason Rudolph obviously uh, having a chance to be back as well there. Uh, it, it's sort of to be determined. You know what what to think of of the quarterback position as a whole. Now he was given the opportunity in the uh, media in in the local media uh, 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 scrum, I guess if you will, at the hotel uh, today to kind of you know uh, uh, give his thoughts on the Justin Fields rumor, speculation, whatever you want to call that, and. You know, he didn't he didn't come right out and say, no, we don't we're not having anything to do with that. But why would he paint himself into the there's several ways, I guess, depending on what side, which way mm -hmm. you want this to go, that you can interpret his answer when asked about. Why don't you read the, the exact answer when he was asked about Justin Fields? And then, then, then let's play off of that. Sure. It was, quote. I'm not going to go into details about the conversations that we've had, but like I mentioned earlier, I can tell you that I have an obligation to look at every avenue that's out there to try to make us a better football team, end quote. All right. So, you know, basically he's going to leave all doors open to you never know what could happen, I guess. So uh, all that said, I still would find myself uh, pretty surprised if they got into the Justin Fields you know, uh, thing here in the next couple of weeks, but the, you know, the fact that he has not come out and, uh, unequivocally shut that down. Uh, and it, he was asked in so many words, had, had, had there been conversations, right? And he said, I'm not getting into that or. Well, I, the question was almost a joke. It was just, you guys going to trade for Justin Fields and Khan took it a bit more seriously than I figured that he would. But I mean, my, my two thoughts are, a, it's very similar to what Art Rooney 
you know, said a month or so ago in a 1v1 interview. And then he kind of had to dial that back because it kind of, he was leaving the door open and people kind of went crazy. And Rooney said, eh, it's unlikely to happen. I was just, you know, it's early and we'll kind of leave things open. And the Steelers never publicly affirm or deny any sort of conversation about any particular player that's not on their roster. So right. this is to me, you know, just basically, you know, punting the question because they always punt these types of questions. Does, does it close the door? No, it doesn't. And like Rooney, in our conversation that we had, it is worth pointing that out. But again, based off of when Khan says he wants strong competition, fields would be so strong, it wouldn't be a competition. Right. He's, he's your starter. So again, that all falls in line where if they want strong competition, going out there and making a big splash move for Justin Fields does not comport with that because there is no competition at that point. Look, anybody that you bring in that's earning that's, that, that potentially could earn where you left off at with, you know, say a Mitch Trubisky, right? You know, seven, eight million dollars per year along those lines. You're not bringing that guy in just to to to, to compete. So, and trade a second round pick for it, I like Right. Right, right, and especially when you're talking about a guy like Fields. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. There. Um, once again, I I think this thing will paint itself out here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, he was asked about Mason Rudolph quite uh, uh, again, and and the same line of answers uh, were provided there. You know, they're talking to Mason Rudolph. They want Mason Rudolph back. Uh, that said, it's too early because they, they, they sounds like they kind of expect to Mason Rudolph to continue to kind of look what's out there, especially with a few weeks to go here. But man, once you get out of this week of the combine here, and then once you specifically get out of that uh, uh, legal tampering period there, the, 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 the 48 hours or so before uh, free agency starts, Everybody should have a pretty good idea what Mason Rudolph's value is at that point, right? So, at, uh, in, in other words, you would think, uh, I mean, Mason Rudolph is in a better situation than he was last year at this time. But mm-hmm. even he, he, all that said, how 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 long is he willing to wait to make a decision on his future? And conversely, I mean that 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 that, that decision on Mason really drug on last year, right? Yeah, because there was no market for him last year. Right. I think he just came and he was basically preparing to leave football and work on real estate and, and everything like that before he signed with Pittsburgh shortly before the draft. So it, it's an interesting question, though. If you're Rudolph, is the sooner the better to sign before some of these quarterback dominoes start to fall? I mean, some of them probably will have already been determined by the time you know March 11th and really the, the new league year on the 13th opens up. But if you're Rudolph, if you get a decent offer, I don't know if you kind of sit back and try to hold out for more if you get a good opportunity and some good money. I guess the next the 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 answer or the question to to your question would be what is what is that market value? You know, what where is that line? You know, if if he's only looking at a three million dollar a year deal and maybe even a one year deal at that, maybe it would behoove him to wait and see on into the summer even to see if there's an injury or something like that. You know, but it also depends on the opportunity. Right. Right. Uh, I mean, if that three million dollar offer is to come in and compete. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. is it worth it to sign with with any team for that matter? And that's the question on the other side of the coin. Do you wait and see where some of these quarterbacks go? Because God forbid you sign for the team and all of a sudden they make some sort of big splash move at quarterback and you feel like you're back in Pittsburgh in 2022. So, I mean, that that's kind of 
the dilemma. But but I think in terms of market, you, you value, could get Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> you could get Mitch Trubisky for sure. Um, <laughs> e two Trubisky kind of thing going on there. So, but is I that, think is that a verb? It's some uh, bad Shakespeare uh, stuff I got going yeah. on. But I think in terms of market value, he should have a good idea by the time his agent leaves Indianapolis this week, probably on Sunday, because this is the time when, you know, you're not technically allowed to be talking about these things, but agents and teams can work around the language to not be outright tampering. Um, So I think by the end of this week, he'll know who's interested, a general idea of his market value. And I think we'll basically know what direction that they're going to start going by the time the legal tampering period opens up on Monday. March 11th. All right. Uh, did you have to sit? Did you have to have a chair to sit down based on anything that Khan said in these three <laughs> interviews based on the quarterback? Did you have to take a load off your feet? I had to get the smelling salts to, to wake yeah. me back up. No. And, and again, when it comes to fields, I'm not going to say there's no possibility. I think Pittsburgh does their homework on everything and everybody as every good team and competent front office should do. But if you're talking about, hey, we want Mason Rudolph back, you're probably not pushing hard for Justin Fields if your focus is so much on Mason Rudolph and, and retaining him. So I stand by what we've said before, and you probably agree, where their, their goal is to re-sign Mason Rudolph. Failing that, a veteran equivalent, most likely a Ryan Tannehill, either him or some veteran other you know type of guy in terms of situation and outlook and, and market value and have that guy compete with Kenny Pickett this summer with Pickett being the favorite, but some sort of at least publicly framed open competition. I think the big takeaway or only really takeaway out of all this uh, from from what Khan said today is just more affirmation that they are very interested in bringing back Mason Rudolph. And I'm I'm tired of talking about Justin Fields, but, (laughs) you know, we have to until that domino falls, even if he goes somewhere else. It's still a discussion point until his future is determined and we don't know when that's going to be. Right. And. You know, I don't. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think Cousins has ever even been in 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 the equation here. But uh, the the Russell Wilson stuff won't stop until he finds a landing spot uh, as well. So uh, if if there were any outside guys, not named you know Tanny Hill, uh, you would think. It would be one of those two guys if they were to go outside and do do anything like that. Yeah. So, again, we'll see if whatever it's worth. Kevin O'Connell, the Vikings head coach, said that they think and expect and want Kirk Cousins to re-up in Minnesota. So there's a desire, I think, from Minnesota side to, to get that deal done and have him stay there. And then Russell Wilson, Sean Payton said within two weeks, as of the other day, they'll make a decision on Wilson. Full expectation is that he's going to be released and where he goes from there. Who the heck knows? I think it is uh, interesting to see uh, the Atlanta uh, analysts and fans and whatnot trying to connect the dots to what Raheem had to say about the quarterback position and how that may or may not uh, uh, apply to Fields. And, of course, Fields is from that area. To me, that that, that feels like the m- most likely uh, scenario when it comes to uh, Fields' landing destination is Atlanta. That seems to be the prevailing wisdom right now is that Fields will end up in Atlanta. But again, until that deal is done, we'll just have to wait and see. All right. Anything else about a quarterback other than us waiting for three more to fill the room? Nope. That's pretty pretty much as expected for Omar Khan. The two things to me that stuck out the most, at least off the top of my head, well, maybe three, but but two that came to mind immediately. Tackle. Tackle. <laughs> about Broderick Jones and him moving to left tackle 
eventually. Now, when is eventually? Khan didn't say, but he Khan did say that Broderick Jones, as everybody knows, was drafted to be a left tackle, and he will go back to left tackle. When that is, Pittsburgh does not know. Yeah, uh, I think both of us would like that to be right now, but yes. uh, as we sort of have painted slightly uh, in in not ink or, or not kind of permanent paint, but man, especially when you start looking at, at some of these com- or early combine uh, 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 meetings and position groups and and you know, just at the needs of this team and look at the depth of the tackle class. And I'm starting to get a feeling that uh, tackle tackle might be addressed in this draft, but it might not be in the first two rounds. And if that's the case, you know, and if this team does not go out and spend money on a, I guess it would be a right tackle, then where does it, where does that, where does that leave you? And the only thing that you can think of is at least to open the season. It, it, from where we sit now and there's a long way to go and no, don't, don't paint any of this as, as us saying, this is the way it's going to be, but it sure isn't hard to envision Dan Moore opening up at left tackle and Broderick Jones opening up right tackle and until some, until some other domino falls. Plausible is certainly the word I would there use about go. that scenario. And I can tell you this, at least, that center to them is a higher priority than tackle is. Does that mean they can't go get a tackle? No, they certainly could. They probably will, to some respect, at least a veteran that can probably play left tackle and right tackle because, you know, Moore's pretty much stuck at left tackle and they want Jones to start, obviously. Um, but center is going to be, in all likelihood, addressed before tackle is. What about the, uh, who's the Bengals tackle is going to be a free agent? Uh, Jonah Williams. Yeah. To me, it, it feels like that could be the, it could be the, uh, I don't want to say dark horse, but the kind of the, the interesting uh, peg or chip or, or, or something in this that, 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 that could sway all this. I hadn't done a lot. My research for free agency will happen as soon as the combine wraps right. up. I'm just kind of in, I'm in draft mode right now, but I, and we talked about him, I think once before, I, I mean, he's going to be pretty expensive and, and I'm guessing he wants to go back to left tackle because he was a left tackle and he got kicked over when they signed Orlando Brown jr. He didn't want to play right tackle. They almost, tra- almost traded him because he didn't want to play right tackle. He just kind of had to deal with it and, and played there. So I'm assuming he wants to play his left tackle and then get paid as a left tackle in free agency because those guys still get paid more than right tackles. Sure. And there, there's still the whole supply demand thing. And it's, it's not, you know, as usual, I mean, the, anybody worth keeping is probably going to get franchise tagged. Uh, and, and, and for those that don't, uh, the market will be pretty heavy for teams that don't have tackles at, at that point. And then you got to decide, you know, is that the guy that you want to spend maybe slightly, you know, pay the tax on like Alex Kazora mm-hmm. uh, uh, likes to say that I, I I just threw that out there as maybe the one sure one uh chip maybe that could that could sway all this I think for at least from where I sit at looking at the potential free agents and and, and position as a whole and and all like it's a good year to have to, to need a tackle in the draft though right which is why I think you look at that avenue because there is that surplus that typically doesn't exist and usually you know the the 
the stat was that Pittsburgh, until Con last year with Broderick Jones, had never drafted a tackle in the first round under Kevin Colbert. The last time they had taken a tackle in the first round with Jermaine Stevens in 92, which did not go well, obviously. And, and there's many reasons for why I'm sure that occurred. Some of it just kind of random chance. But, you know, typically when you're Pittsburgh and you're drafting in the 20s or, you know, high teens, you know, 17, 18, those top tackles are gone. And there's kind of that drop off to tier two type tackles. And you end up taking a tier one guy in a different position. So it's not often that you can pick a 20 and still have a lot of feasible and realistic, good tackle prospects on your radar, whether that's a Mary Smims or um, uh, the Washington kid, or, you know, if somebody were to fall because of the quarterbacks that are there, the receivers that are there. Uh, so this is, this is the year to get a tackle. But again, I think center is going to be higher on their list of priorities than offensive tackle. I guess the only other avenue kind of saving grace uh, of, of, of a week one at for Broderick Jones to be your left tackle is, you know, a couple of guys maybe already under contract have fantastic off seasons and summers, uh, you know, maybe a Dylan Cook or, or, you know, what do they think of Spencer Anderson? Can he play tackle? Is he more guard, you know, along those lines? But but to bet on that would be absolutely foolish. It would just be something that would materialize. Hey, Dylan Cook's having a great uh, uh, summer uh, uh, preseason. Man, he could be a right tackle, you know. Mm-hmm. And then that obviously would, 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 would hopefully shift a guy like Broderick Jones over there. But uh, uh, at its core, it. It 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 doesn't it doesn't sound like well we're penciling in Broderick Jones to be our our week one right ta- week one right, uh, left tackle right now. Sure, that's the way things sound. But you know, I think you got to get this guy back. They want this guy to be at left tackle. They're saying that, and yet they are resisting that. So they are kind of talking out of both sides of their mouth here. I understand you move Jones over, you do kind of create another position to fill at left tackle, and you've got other needs to address at center and corner and. You guys know the needs of this team right now, but what is best for Broderick Jones, the guy that you drafted in the first round and traded up for last year? That has to be priority number one. What is the best thing for Broderick Jones? Because what's best for him is best for the team, and that's the whole goal of this this whole offseason building thing. All right, uh, moving on. What, 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 what were some other things that stuck out? You said you had a list there. A new tackle was going to be on there. Inside linebacker, too. Now, I'll admit that for a while in this offseason, I thought, yeah, listen, ideally, I would love to get a long-term option at inside linebacker. They never really properly replaced Ryan Shazier, but I thought you got all these other needs, and if Colt Holcomb can come back you know, for camp and be healthy and get back to form with Roberts and Robinson, maybe you take a look at Quan again this summer. Yeah, maybe you add somebody low-level for agency, draft pick, something like that. You, know, you can get by with that, but the way that Omar Khan talked today, first of all, what, what kind of changes the, the outlook for me and really had I known is that they don't know when Cole Holcomb is coming back. You know, Omar Khan said that we think he'll be back at some point, but there is no timetable on his return. Now, we don't know the exact details of the injury, but we know it was pretty horrific and maybe even worse than what I had thought. So if you can't count on him, then certainly that jumps up the need for inside linebacker. Boy, that was a gruesome injury, wasn't it? Uh, uh, I went back and looked at that uh, earlier Ooh, today. Did not uh, do not have the stomach to do that. Yeah, uh, a that, that was uh, pretty significant. B, I had thoughts to run through my head. Remember what happened to uh, who was it? Sean Spence that had uh, what was it? The what did they call that condition? Drop drop foot 
not saying that that, you know, it just all, all these mm. things came rushing to the forefront about guys that have have had serious knee injuries and all like that. And look, what what if even his 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 rehab kind of goes, you know, uh, uh, perfectly. But even so, you got a guy that when, when exactly did that injury happen? It was uh, week was nine against Tennessee midseason. I don't have the exact date on that. That's probably uh, late October. Yeah. So, game. so with uh, with the with with the advancements in modern medicine and all like that, and you know, best case scenario, you're looking at what eight nine months for those guys to come back from those things. So, you know, theoretically, you know, could he be ready by the start of the season? But then there's the whole mental aspect of it, and then the trust aspect of it, and then then you know. Uh, uh, you know, he, 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 he came to the Steelers already coming off of another injury. What with his foot and all like that. So you kind of wonder, you know, is he going to be a guy that, that, that you can trust with his health moving forward. And then you look back to how they kind of Frankenstein this thing together mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, last year. Then you go even further back to, uh, how many, how many stabs they have tried to take at, at free agency to fix this since the whole Ryan Shazier thing. And that hasn't gone well, uh, really at its core. And, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you could get yourself Frankenstein back up, I suppose, like you did last year. But what if, you know, what if a guy like Cole Holcomb's not ready, you know? Uh, and, uh, it, it, you, I have thought, you know, my feelings on this for a while. And really, I think you have felt this at at its core. It's time to draft another one, man. Sure. I've always said that, that if they're going to go back into that well again, to be fair, Khan did a great job retooling that room through free agency this past year with with Holcomb and Roberts and Alexander. Those were all free agent signings. But I think for the long-term option, you know, this revolving door will have to stop at some point with the draft pick. No guarantee of it. Didn't work out with Devin Bush, but Pittsburgh builds with the draft. That's what they do. They've not done that enough and effectively enough at inside linebacker. One other consideration as I kind of process it more is Pittsburgh really did enjoy that three-man rotation at inside linebacker last year of Holcomb, Alexander and Roberts. And even if Holcomb was to come back healthy and be back to basically his old self, if he just really had him and Roberts and whatever they think of Mark Robinson, Pittsburgh really, I think, enjoyed having that rotation when they were all healthy. And then certainly once there were injuries for Roberts to be available and around was a a big thing to fall back upon. Well, the best case scenario is you fill that room with a young draft pick, uh, preferably within the first four rounds, I think. Yeah, I think again you want a high Regardless. investment in it. Sure, sure, I agree. Uh and just learning more and more about this off the ball class, it's not a bad class. It doesn't, you know, it feels like there's a lot of guys that could fit uh uh in that that maybe that third or fourth round slot or even second if they choose to uh, chose to uh to 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 go that route there. Um and then you look even even further at some of the interest and in formal interviews that were building that tracker on the site. And uh, the guys are doing a great job in Indy and getting getting, you know, finding out who's formal and who's informal and, and those kind of things there. It is feeling like they are going to take a shot at that, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And we're still putting our tracker together and we'll have to kind of take a step back once all the interviews wrap up and see exactly who they're interviewing and where they're kind of heavy, you know, positional group wise. But that's often a pretty good early sign of where this team's head is at in terms of the position groups they're interviewing the most in terms of the, the number of people. And they interviewed formally 
at least four of them, and they're four of the more well-known near the top of the class linebackers in Jeremiah Charter Jr. Uh, from Clemson, Junior Colson from Michigan, Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State, Nedrin Cooper from Texas A&M, a couple of informal interviews with some of some later round prospects. And there probably there could be other inside linebackers they had formal interviews with that we do not officially know. But certainly that was the first sign of, okay, there's some interest there. And then you add cons- comments on top. I mean, he literally said, we have to address the inside linebacker position. I mean, that, that was probably the strongest terms he made okay. aside from the Kenny Pickett. We have full faith in him in terms of just definitive statements being made. Those were the top two. Now, could they address it in free agency as well? They potentially could, and they have been for many years, but they're going to add something, it sounds like. It does sound that way, and, and I, I, think it, I think that's the proper read that, that, that you have coming out of, out of this today on top of what all has gone on at the Combine so far. So uh, I think we should probably be mocking an off-the-ball linebacker to them within their first four picks. Yeah, and taking a look at that free agent list as well, because they may go that avenue. I don't know what the strength of the free agency class looks like. Again, just have not spent the time on it because I've been in in draft mode, but uh, very notable there. And and again, with Holcomb, for them to not really even know when he's going to come back. I mean, he may not be back week one. I mean, he could be a reserve pop guy and miss half of the 2024 season. That seems to be a possibility right now. All right. What else uh, caught you? I think the other thing, and and Con speaking of caught caught himself mid comment <laughs> was about Deontay Johnson, and one of the final questions I believe was about it, you know will there be a contract extension for Deontay? What's his future? His deals up in twenty twenty four after the season. And let me get the uh, the quote here because it's uh, it's kind of funny. He says, "quote As of right now, we're having convert." And then he cuts himself off and says, I'm not going to speak to specific negotiations for an individual player, but I have a lot of respect for Deontay. Usually, as you guys know, the extensions happen later on in the year, in the summer, which is where Deontay's last extension stemmed from. But we're having Conver fill in the blank. It's like playing password, Dave. What was he saying? Having Conver, having Converse, having sneakers? No, I think it's conversations with Deontay Johnson. Yeah, yeah. That was that was uh, that was quite amusing, uh, interesting way to stop yourself uh, there when 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 talking about that. Uh, To be honest with you, I haven't personally given much credence or uh, or probability to the fact that uh, uh, that that Deontay would get extended at some point during this offseason. Is it unthinkable? No, but. I mean, historically, there hasn't been many receivers that not only get that second uh, lucrative or you know that second first lucrative contract extension, but a second one on top of it. And what even would his market value be? It, it, it feels like it should not go up, but in the same breath, uh, you know, it doesn't feel like it should go personally down all that much. And I, I can't, I can't envision him wanting to take an, an average yearly value cut, uh, 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 of significance. What, what is he? He's at, uh, Oh, pull him up. His APY is 18.355. And, and, and most listening to this podcast are saying that's too high as it is. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's the second highest paid Technically, right now, he is the second highest paid player on this team right now. You know, behind TJ Watt, behind TJ Watt, and just slightly ahead of Minka Fitzpatrick there. So, uh, he, I wouldn't, I couldn't envision him saying, Yeah, I'll take another contract. And, yeah, you know what? Uh, let's lower my APY down to like 16 or 15 million. 
You know? As the cap just went up by $30 million. Right. Generally, I'm going to go out on a limb, generally say that, uh, say that, that uh, generally does not happen there. So, uh, I get more than anything. I guess that kind of caught me, caught me by surprise there. So I think it's something to watch. I don't think, you know, uh, a lot of people are saying trade him, get him out of town, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's happening. Mm-hmm. And re- look, uh, regardless, whatever you feel about Deontay Johnson, and we have not really hit this, this aspect of it anyway. If you are listening to this and you think the Steelers should trade uh, Deontay Johnson, you better hope it happens in a hurry here because he has got a $3 million roster bonus uh, due on March 16th. And if he is on this roster uh, past March 16th, he's going to stay on this roster because they're not going to throw They're not going to pay him $3 million and then just get rid of, him. you know, sure. uh, that, that, that's not going to happen there. So, um, I, <laughs> I, I still feel like I'll be surprised if they do an extension with him. I just think it's something that you explore maybe with him. But, uh, man, I, I'll i be surprised if they do something with him. But but that said, I, I don't think it's in, especially the way Khan kind of caught himself there. I think you have to read into that something. Sure. I mean, they're having conversations now, which speaks to some level of interest to potentially do a deal. Now, will it get done? We'll see. And we haven't talked about it much because if it does happen, it won't be until June at the earliest. I think Khan is getting these deals done in quicker fashion than what Kevin Colbert did, which was always kind of a last second type of deal. Um, but I mean, Johnson's last deal, I think, was, you know, mid camp. Right. They just had to hold in and they got it done, I don't know, a week or two in and he finished camp out. So if anything happens, it, it'll be, you know, June at the earliest. So it's a, it's a summer thing for us to discuss when there's nothing else to discuss. But the fact that he's, at least if there's a conversation, speaks to, okay, there's some mutual interest. Uh, do you worry him at, at, uh, about him at all doing any kind of a hold-in or anything? Well, I think he could do it. Am I worried about if he does it? Not really. I think the hold-ins don't really have a negative impact. It's not like even the old holdouts where you're away from your team and you're not kind of in that environment. And obviously with the penalties and fines now that are mandatory, people rarely hold out uh, at all. And Deontay, I don't expect to do that. Um, I, I, if he doesn't have a deal, I think he'll probably – not show up for some of the OTA stuff and the spring stuff. So I think it's, it's a possibility, but am I worried about him doing that and how it's going to impact him and the team? Not really. I, you know, he's coming off of 51 uh, reception season, obviously missed games due to an in uh, due to, due to injury. Uh, he is up there in age now. And once again, I, I think the dynamics of man, do you really expect him to take a new deal and take a lower, uh, uh, I mean, I guess I suppose if, if, if he was guaranteed, the next two years of pay that might change his tune a little bit, but I think that would be a bit surprising to see the Steelers do anything like that, especially uh, on, on a second contract with him at at his age now here. I, uh, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to keep blabbering on about this because right now, to be honest with you, even all I think is it needs to be watched, but all that said, I, I still, would find myself being surprised if they get an extension done with him later in the offseason. Okay, fair enough. I, I think his best course of action really for him, even at this point, would be play out my final year mm-hmm. of my contract. Uh, man, if I have a, 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 a you know 100 reception season at my age, I still can get one more nice bite of the apple, or at worst, I could I could get the Steelers to, uh, to franchise tag me, you know? Sure. No, I think that's that's a good plan, but if they offer you 23 million APY, 
you might take it and just take that money right then and there. But we'll see. We'll talk about it more this summer, I'm sure. Speaking of receivers um, and kind of just bouncing off of that adjacent to it is Umar Khan asked about, hey, why'd you guys release like the day after the Super Bowl? Just started gutting the roster and, and releasing Mitch Trubisky and Chuck Wumakor for Presley Harvin, Mason Cole a week later. And Omar said basically what we talked about, that it's the right thing to do. Let those guys have a chance to get a jump on for agency, begin mapping out their future homes for 2024. And Khan saying, once we decide that you're not going to be part of the 2024 plans, we'll just cut you loose. And so that says about the moves that they made, obviously, but also to an extent, the moves that they they have not made in the sense of Patrick Peterson, still a stealer, Larry Ogunjobi, still a, steal, uh, still a stealer, and wide receiver Allen Robinson, still a stealer. Now, I think with Robinson, they're going to have to do something with that contract. But, you know, Khan spoke highly of Robinson, said they had a good first year, good run blocker. It sounds like they're going to try to rework that contract, obviously reduce and slash that that base salary significantly. But I think they want Robinson to stick around if they can agree to terms. Right. They can want him all they want to, but uh, they're not going to want him at $10 million. And, but Robinson knows he's not getting that right. anywhere. And I don't even think, I mean, is he, I don't even, I mean, is five he, million. yeah, is he even worth five? You know, no. Uh, no. Uh, uh, and, and I, I think, I think he kind of knows his market values. I, I would not be surprised with the next couple of weeks that something filters through the NFLPA with some sort of contract adjustment with him. Now, do you think it's going to be to the true minimum? I think it's going to be like 2 million, something like that. It's probably my guess. They're not going to go all the way down. I don't think it shouldn't be anything more than two and a half million or, at most three million at at the most. I mean that's 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 a seven million dollar. Uh he is he is to me he's worth no more than three million on the high side. Would they do any incentives? I know they're typically against that, but even if it was not likely to be earned, would they do that to try to wet his beak? I mean I suppose they could, but uh once again it, it would be out of character because they for non you know especially non quarterbacks they they don't have any history of doing that. Okay, fair enough. But but I think the fact that he's still here and then Khan's more glowing comments says there's a desire to at least try to retain him on an obviously reworked 2024 salary and contract. I mean, even if you did the incentives, it would have to be something that he'd have to think, are you kidding me? I'm not going to hit those, you know, uh, 60 receptions, uh, uh, Pro Bowl or, 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 or play time. I, mean, I don't think you want to lock him into playtime because injuries happen. You might have to play him, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of thing there. So I, I think it's just cutting down to three million or less or or let him loose. OK, fair enough. But you think the fact that he's still here is a sign they they're not going to they're at least going to be an attempt to keep him uh, around on this, on this roster. I don't know. I mean, why, why why wait the extra couple of weeks to do something with with Mason Cole like they did? You know, uh, yeah, that's true. Uh all this will work its way out of the wash in two weeks. I'll promise you that. Fair enough. You're right about that. What else, Omar Khan? What were your kind of big takeaways that we have not discussed? Uh, they need to be more careful with Cam Hayward. Yeah. Khan acknowledging he's 35 years old. We have to manage his reps and be a bit smarter about how to use him, which does that imply we need to have some talent that can competently relieve Cam Hayward and have a rotation. So you know, listen, Pittsburgh has said for five years they have to reduce Kim Hayward's snap count, and they basically never have done so in any given year. So, I mean, we'll see. But if that's that's the goal and it's a reasonable one, then the logical extension of that thought is we have to add talent. 
Uh, absolutely. Because it, and Larry Ogunjobi's job is going to be safe if you're talking about uh, <laughs> uh, uh, managing uh, a, a guy like Cam Hayward's uh, snaps and all like that. And look, th- it, this already isn't a very deep room overall. Uh, and you could, you know, you you could feasibly see this addressed in free agency with a moderate price uh, veteran on 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 top of it there. So, uh, uh, you know, d- don't tell me about the labor pains. You know, just show me the baby when it talks about taking it e- easy on him. Yeah, we'll talk about some of those D line prospects here in just a few minutes. Um, what else? Some more cons. Najee Harris in the fifth year option. Yeah, um, kind of a, a punted the answer, I think, overall. I mean, they did say we think very highly of Najee, but said they've not made a decision. Quote, we have until the first week in May to make a decision. And, of course, we'll make one before May 2nd. That seems to be the actual official deadline to exercise the fifth-year option for 2025. I think they're going to pick it up. I think that's kind of the way that with the way they've talked about things, but we'll see by May 2nd. Why would he come out today? I mean, I understand you have until May, and I guess it's because several things can obviously happen and all like that. You, you think they're giving any thought to maybe extending him before you even get to the, 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 the May 2nd? I'm not going to rule it out. I know you've discussed it. I think what's most likely to occur is they would pick up the option, exercise it first, and then have the summer to work on an extension if they wanted to. Pick it up pick it up now. Might as well do that. And if you can extend them in, in the quiet time of the summer, great. Because you know, you're know trying to extend them before the draft and you're just so focused on that. It can get a little scary with the, the schedule. I think you pick up the option. And if you want to do contract talks in June, July, then do it then. Uh both of us would be surprised if they don't pick up the fifth-year option at this point now, right? Yeah. I mean, the times that they haven't, and granted, I think these were even before. I don't remember when they became fully guaranteed, but what fifth-year options have they not picked up? Devin Bush, Jarvis Jones. Edmonds. Artie. Hey, did decline Edmonds, didn't they? Right. Yeah. Um, but him aside, the other ones were pretty obvious. I, I think this this case will pick it up. And I thought Edmonds was pretty cut and dry as well, too, personally. But uh, but not agree, but not to like the Jarvis Jones level, right, like not even right. a remote discussion. Right, right. So, uh, all right. Uh, what else uh, did 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 Khan say worth discussing here? Well, I don't think anybody. At least I didn't think anybody would have a lot of question about it. But Darnell Washington is staying at tight end. Somebody <laughs> asked him he's moving to tackle. No, not happening. At least not for twenty twenty four and. Con, I think, almost kind of smirked and said, he's a tight end. So anybody wondering, uh, that's the case there. Uh, let's see what else did he have to say. Those were kind of, I think, the biggest things. Um, we yeah, tried I to mean, get him to come off how much cash he's going to spend at the cap, and uh, he wouldn't bite on that. I didn't think he would, but <laughs> uh, uh, it never hurts to ask there when it comes to that. Uh, I'm trying to thumb through, see what else he uh, had to he, say here. He did mention in the center conversation about Nate Herbig, so I think he'll be part of at least some sort of rotation and potential competition. So you talk about internal options, seem to downplay the idea of James Daniels, right. who played center in college at Iowa at center, which I'm good with. I'm uh, Keep Daniels a guard, keep your guards where they're at, don't create more problems for yourself, um, but did mention Herbig in that potential center outlook. Right. Uh, yeah, they're going to keep Daniels at guard. Yeah. So that's basically it for Con. I'm sure we'll talk about it maybe a bit more if things come up on Monday, if you kind of digest it. But again, nothing earth shattering. But I, to me, I think the the uh, affirmation and confirmation of Kenny Pickett's important to to note. And then to me, I think the inside linebacker comments was probably the the, the biggest thing I learned from his media uh, roundtable in circuit he was on 
Thursday. And then back to the center thing again, you know, as well, too. He says, uh, uh, we have position flexible guys that are starters in the league as it is, but we're always going to try and improve the team. And we uh, cut our starting center from last year. We feel good about Nate Herbig, but you know, if there's an opportunity to bring in some comp- some good competition in, we're going to do it. And then I think in, a, in, a, in, a, in another center uh, 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 quote, he says, uh, we aren't going to, but that doesn't mean we aren't going to look at free agency, the trade market and the draft process. Uh, and look, uh, it goes back to, uh, you know, the, the, the top of the center class as well too. It, 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 it still feels heavily like, uh, the first or second pick is going to be a center for this team, at least barring some sort of, uh, guy that you could stamp, you know, being brought in via free agency or a trade, which I, I would kind of be amazed if that happens on a high dollar, uh, guy, that uh, that would be the route that they're going to go. It, long story short, it feels like this team's still going to draft the center early. Yes, agreed. Center very high on their list, as high as any position right now. So that should wrap up Omar Khan. Let's now switch to the 2024 NFL Combine. They can have three of our Stiglitz Depot crew in Indy and Joe Clark, Ross McCorkle, Jonathan Hightrader, uh, I should say. They've done a great job getting interviews and information for us to compile. Um, still, uh, you know, obviously midway through this process. So in terms of who they're meeting with and formal, informal meetings, we're still gathering that information. But a lot of off-ball linebackers, a ton of cornerbacks, a couple of safeties kind of beginning to shape where their interest is lying. Yeah, and I think even defensive linemen as well, too, right? I mean, I think I, I know I want to turn on the tape on uh, uh, Rook uh, Orhoro uh, out of Clemson. Uh, just, I, I think we got a, don't we got a profile up on him? We do. Uh, on the site. So, you know, that's about all I know about him as of yet. But uh, he's putting together a pretty good uh, combine profile from what I've seen so far. And he's got some measurables to go along with it. Six foot four, 294, what, 34 inch arms and nine and three eighths inch uh, hands. Uh, ran well uh, at, at, at the combine today. Uh, so that's a guy to 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 pay attention to. I mean, there there are some guys that that maybe aren't quote-unquote idea. I mean, Gabe Hall's had a decent start uh, to the combine, a guy that we've talked about, a uh, Baylor, that kind of be a mid-round uh, guy. I know a lot. there's a lot of buzz about that Braden uh, Fisk out of Florida State uh, right now. And and look, with, with good reason, even dating back to the All-Star game and all like that, representing himself well there. Uh, but boy, it sure is hard seeing the Steelers. And, and this is going to be the, the conversation around Braden, I think the rest of the the, the pre-draft process here is those, those arms, you know? Yeah, your, your T-Rex joke or feed yourself joke right. should come in here. He's what, 32 in charge? 31, I thought, 31. right? Is it 31? I got. I don't have the uh, combine sheet in front of me. But yeah, that is a, a, a very big question, especially in Pittsburgh, where they really prioritize length. Uh, but you know, my, my takeaway overall is, is, and it has been this for a while, is, is this team... Even if they go the free agent route and added a, uh, you know, another, I don't know, seven, eight million dollar guy uh, to that room there, uh, it still feels like they need to invest a draft pick uh, in 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 a defensive lineman at some point. Sure, because you know not only is Hayward getting older, open Joby's about to be thirty, and he's in the last year of his deal, or entering it for twenty twenty four, right? So um, there's a there's a lot of other pieces to address, and you want depth. You had injury last year. Um, again, you have a desire to reduce Kim Hayward's snap count. All good reasons to really fortify the D line. 
Uh, as far as cornerbacks go, ooh, it feels like they're going to draft a quarter cornerback. And they and should. Early. And early. Yeah, they've uh, formal meetings here with Cooper DeGene from Iowa, Terry and Arnold from Alabama, Kamari Lassiter from Georgia, Mike San Sanristo, I think you pronounce it, uh, Michigan, Nate Wiggins from Clemson, and Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama. Those are the ones that we know. Obviously, could be others, but those are uh, a lot of day one, day two type corners. Yeah, there's going to be. It's a. It, it's not a bad year to need uh, a corner uh, and and even a versatile one at that. that. You talk about the uh, uh, the mission kid kid in 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 San Ras still uh, very versatile. In fact, he talked about how he models his game around a Mike Hilton because of his versatility and all. And uh, I mean, right out of the shoot, I think Nate Nate Wiggins was one of the first profiles that you did, and he expects to run. Uh, oh crap fast uh at, at, at the combine so you know i don't know if he's a guy kind of guy that, that 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 could slip to you to 20 overall probably not and probably the same goes for terry on arnold out of alabama that would be quite a gift if that happened and who's another one there that 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 that's probably going to go uh or oh, oh the toledo kid uh uh quinion mitchell uh probably not going to fall but i mean he you know, how many corners are going to go in the first, you know, 20 picks, four, five. And even if that happens, it, it, it feels if if they got into the second round there, that that position could is deep enough in this class. And there's been enough interest uh, from from this team as far as some formal guys go. I, you know, as a whole, I, I think that's a position within the first three picks that they, that this team has that they could address position. I think so. Absolutely. I think you're going to see them double dip and, and make improvements and additions in free agency and uh, the draft because they have needs at outside corner and slot corner. Now they're probably going to resign somebody. I think a Sullivan comes back and maybe one of Levi Wallace and James Pierre, but you know, we're not talking a high caliber, big deal starting visions for, for any of those guys. Um, I, I think corners are really good. I mean, the good thing about the draft this year, Dave, is the Steelers' needs and the draft strengths really align. It's good at center. It's good at corner. It's good at tackle, although we'll see how much Pittsburgh views tackle as a need. So that is a benefit. And, yeah, I mean, some of these corners won't be there, but someone's going to fall. you got all these quarterbacks. You're going to get five quarterbacks that are probably going to be off the board by the time Pittsburgh picks. And um, you got these tackles. I mean, that, that's going to push down some of those corners to 20. So I think someone will be there. Yeah, I, I, I agree. How many formals uh, did they have? Uh- are you showing right now from from today with the corners? With the corners that we know of, uh, six official formals that we know. Now, Quinion Mitchell was not one of them, but they did talk to him at the Senior Bowl. He talked to him at the Senior Bowl. You probably don't have to sit down with him again at the Combine. And the Rutgers kid, haven't they paid a, t- a lot of attention to him? Max Melton, uh, uh, so far during this process as well, too. And he's a versatile guy, much like uh, uh, San- Santa still out of Michigan. Yeah, I don't know how much of the combine. I'm not aware of a formal with him, but I know at the Senior Bowl, he was there and they talked with him quite a bit. And I think he's a slot guy, but he has played inside out. My comp to him was Nate Hobbs. So the, mm. the Raiders just, uh, you know, a decently built, but but physical press corner with some good length and certainly will support the run to uh, come down and hit you. All right. And uh, what about safety? Yeah, two foremost that we know for sure in Tyler uh, Newbin from Minnesota and Kalen Bullock from USC. Again, it's not a great safety class overall. Um, I, Newbin's a guy I want to watch more. He's got size, he's got ball skills, production, captain, interview, obviously. That's a guy I need to, to learn more about. 
And then also, you know, there might be a, a, a free agent safety or two that, uh, cause you know, safety's moder- uh, intermediate price, free agent safeties are usually really affordable. We've talked about some of those names and Darnell Savage. And I think somebody asked about Jeremy Chin a while back. He's been kind of I think more of a hybrid guy. That's what he was when he came out of uh, college. But uh, yeah, I, I think again, the big picture, I'm talking just very broadly for agency will be used to upgrade the defense. The draft will be used to upgrade offense. There will be a mixture of both. They could certainly draft a corner. They're going to go sign a veteran quarterback, add a low-level center, all that. But I think just big picture, that's kind of how I frame the offseason plan and picture for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Uh, so of the first four picks right now uh, that this team had, would it surprise you, and this could be in any order, uh, would it surprise you if it went uh, center, corner, Defensive line, inside linebacker. No, I think if you had to pick four, I mean, that's probably going to be the four. Now, I mean, I guess you really call it five because in the fourth round, they're back-to-back picks and they got the two fourth-round picks. But yeah, I think in terms of the positions, I mean, again, the draft is unpredictable, but but that's a good way to, to frame it. All right. Uh, and and may, maybe you can slide a tackle in there somewhere. Yeah, but again, you talk about the needs that they have. You know, tackle may get pushed down, but we'll see. I mean, we got to see how many tackles and offensive linemen they interview. Those uh, interviews have not taken place yet. It'll happen on Saturday, I believe. Um, so, you know, we'll we'll fill out the whole list of interviews and kind of look at it and and go from there. What's been your biggest takeaway from the combine so far? I think there are a couple more D line names than I thought would potentially fit. I think it's hard to find that perfect fit, but the names that we mentioned, and I have an article for this uh, in the morning. Uh, how about Chris Jenkins from Michigan? I mean, he's got size, he's got length, he's got the pedigree, the bloodlines that Pittsburgh loves. I, I watched him doing an interview um, uh, with one of the NFL Network reporters, and he's got a great personality and probably going to just crush the interview process. A Michigan man, pedigree. Why not Chris Jenkins? Yeah, just the only thing that I I, I think it, 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 it when you get to the uh, what they look for, Alex Kazora part of the off season there is the fact that he's on under six three, and that that would about be probably looking at the rest of his uh, his profile here. I don't think he, has he done the three cone yet today, but I would think a lot of this stuff he's probably checked for the most part here. But uh, uh, I would think just the height aspect of it would be the biggest. Uh, uh, box unchecked when it comes to the Steelers there. Sure. I mean, 6026, uh, so he's right under that. How, how tall was Liao? I think Liao was taller, but I just don't have to top of my head. Six, six, three and a half? Was he 6'4"? What did he come in at in terms of his, his official height? Uh, I had to look at uh, the database. Because he wasn't you know, the, the biggest guy. Uh, and obviously there are exceptions. You know, Loudermilk didn't have length. He was 32 and a half. He had that awkward body type. Uh, but I think other other than that, you're seeing Jenkins. I mean, he came in 6026, 299, 34-inch arms, and I care about length a bit more than I care about his actual height, and he ran well, and just kind of checking if not every single one of those boxes, but pretty darn close. Uh, what was DeMarvin Leal? Do we have it? Uh, NFL.com has... 6037, right? 6037, okay, so about an inch taller. Um, yeah, which is, is more in line with what Pittsburgh wants, uh, but I think you know that aside... You know, if he's a really good player overall, and he is, then you kind of can look past those things. Look, uh, you know, we do it every offseason, man. Where's that 6'6", uh, 302 guy, you know, with the long arms? And those guys just don't – they just don't come out anymore. You know, you don't see them anymore for the most part. 
Yeah, that's why I really want to take a more look at a Mason Smith from LSU. I know he's got the injury two years ago and there's uh, inconsistency in his play, but 605-1, 306-35-inch arms. I thought tested decently overall. And then, of course, it was Gabe Hall from Baylor, who I think looks really good, but you know, the pad level's got to be worked on. The pass rush moves have to be worked on. He's more of a developmental guy. But if you can sign a veteran free agent and then get Hall and say the third, fourth round and kind of stash him for a year and kind of develop him, that's an avenue that you could you could take. Uh, I think the biggest eye opener so far is man. There's some nice off the ball linebackers uh, in, in 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 this class, and and Peyton w- Wilson, even though he's had that injury history and all like that, that guy can run, can he? Yeah, I mean, he was what an All American this year. I mean, the the production is great, the tape is great. The only the only concern with him is the checkered medical history. Now right. he's been healthy. I think the last two years, there was everything before that. So it's not even like he's hurt right now or coming off a major injury, but I mean, the, the you know, combine will be huge for him. I don't know if he'll go back to medical rechecks because there is no present injury, but um, you know, the, what, what he ran was fantastic, but what the doctors have to say is even more important than what his 40 time is. Uh, Edger and Cooper has lived up to expectations so far out of Texas A&M. I wish uh, that uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. would have done uh, some things here, but it sounds it looks like he's going to put all that stuff off until his pro day. Yeah, he did go through drills, but did not actually test. And I came in at 228, which at six foot, I think his, his official height, too, is not the biggest guy. Uh, but you know, he's obviously got the bloodlines and, and good production overall. I want to watch more. I know we have a report on him, but Curtis Jacobs from Penn State, 6013-241, ran a very good four five eight, jumped thirty-five inches. I mean, that's kind of a good profile overall. All right. So uh we will be doing our homework more on the off the ball linebackers moving forward here. And then in terms of the other workouts, the edge guys, obviously we've talked about less. I still like and I know uh, Dr. Mel talked about him from the Shrine Bowl, but uh, Mo Kamara from Colorado State, good workout overall. Um, not the biggest guy, but you know, ran well. A little, little tight, I thought, some of the drills, some of the, uh, the workouts on the field. But you're talking later day three guy. You know, I mean, you know, Pittsburgh really enjoyed their depth last year. And if, if Marcus Golden does walk, I think Pittsburgh wants it to be as deep as possible at the outside linebacker. Obviously, the Kerbeck will be the number three. But you want to be, you know, four deep. They, of course, added Jeremiah Moon. But just like inside linebacker, they valued their their edge depth. Uh, Dr. Mel's had a pretty decent eye at the uh, the Shrine Bowl the last couple of years, huh? Yeah, she's our uh, small school or late around whisperer. I mean, she she called Isaiah Pacheco two years ago and Jake Bobo last year. So uh, she's talking about somebody. It's worth listening. Yeah, and I, I didn't even really hit his tape until she needed a couple of clips coming out of the Senior Bowl week there, and I ended up watching. <laughs> I went down the rabbit hole. I couldn't stop watching the game and 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 watching him specifically. He's very undersized, you know, six foot one and 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 three eighths and two two hundred forty eight pounds. But uh, uh, he look, uh, you just if you if you didn't know his size or whatnot, just turned on the tape, man. Uh, he can he can get after the opposing quarterback. Now he is going to be, uh, you know, he's a guy that I don't think that you take in the first, you know, four picks, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you get later into the draft, there, uh, he feels like a guy could probably give you a little something on special teams on top of it, and 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 be that fourth or fifth outside linebacker uh, there. But uh, uh, he he might be a guy to watch moving forward through the process here. 
And if Nick Herbig wasn't too small for them, then Kamaru's size is going to be a okay. But super productive guy. Yeah, it, it is draft season when you're just sitting there on a Friday night watching like Colorado State play somebody and just kind of uh, engrossed in the tape. San Diego State. <laughs> yeah. Just watching the, the the replay of that game. Just Who, uh, even uh, what Daniel Jeremiah was, uh, was talking about. Man, it, that's that mouth, mountain mountain west. Well, that's the mountain west, and it uh, out here in Vegas. You know, the good thing is 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 late at night night on some of those Saturdays. That's all you get sometimes. Now I didn't specifically know about Kamara and all, but you know, so you, you can find some decent football to watch. And he, long story short, Jeremiah was talking about, yeah, you know, just up watching some of that Mountain West football. And I think that's how he got to 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 learning about Kamara there. What do you make about Darius Robinson? The guy we talked about him right out of the shoot mm-hmm. uh earlier uh uh this year and then obviously through uh uh, through the senior bowl and all like that. And I think he talked about how, you know, his position uh, versatility and man, you see some of the stuff at the, uh, at, at the senior bowl and you think, man, this, is this a guy, is this an edge, you know, the way he moves and, but then you, you see some of the things he, he, he doesn't run all that fast. Not that that's the end all do all, but that, that kind of caught me because of kind of his explosive, explosive, explosiveness and his athleticism, uh, that, that I've seen since I've learned more about him. I was, I was a little bit shocked that he ran what he ran, but he is a big boy, uh, though at uh, six foot one and what are you measuring? 285. Uh, he is a guy though, too. I kind of wonder, could, could you put another 15 pounds on him? And, and how could he hold up more, more interior? Uh, it, it, he's going to need a lot of studying, I think, moving through the rest mm-hmm. of this process. Teams are going to have to, teams are going to have to be specific, I think, with, with, with what he can do best. Sure. There's a tweener feel. I mean, I think he can put on the pounds. He was playing D tackle his first three years at 305 pounds. I think they dropped him down. It's a little, little Liao like, I guess, in that sense, a little bit of a tweener kind of been, been moved around from position to position. Um, I, I think his tape is good. I think he's heavy handed. I think he's got a good punch. I think he's strong at the point of attack, but you do kind of wonder exactly, okay, what are you? Where do you fit? How do you best, you know, can integrate yourself into our scheme? And for Pittsburgh, I do think that's a little challenging. All right. Uh, any other takeaways? Uh, I think what, who, who, who hits the field tomorrow? The DBs tomorrow? Uh, I can't remember. Is it the snow? Because Saturday's the quarterbacks. I'll have I'll have to check. Yeah, the DBs I think are usually in later in the week. So I yeah I don't think it's the DBs tomorrow. No way. No no way. No who who interviewed today? It was the it was the DBs. Was it DB? Let's let's look it up. Uh, You're right. Tomorrow are DBs and tight ends. We got okay. Then it goes Saturday quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, and the O linemen. Finish it out. DBs used to be the last group. I guess they changed sure. that in recent years. Remember, That's they would I always thought. always do those drills last. It's kind of the the wrap up there, uh, interceptions and high pointing the ball and all that. But yeah, DBs are tomorrow along with the tight ends. All right, we're not going to have to waste a lot of time on tight ends this year, are we? We should talk about Johnu Smith, I guess. While we're at it, I forgot about that. Johnu mm. Smith was released by the Falcons, and of course, with his Arthur Smith connection, spending time with him in Tennessee and then Atlanta. Is that a possibility, Dave? Although tight end, as you said, it seems to be. Pretty heavy in Pittsburgh. And I mean, I understand the connection. It's an easy line to draw to Arthur Smith uh, with Joe New Smith dating back to Tennessee. And then obviously the year in 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 in, in Atlanta there. But uh, based on the way this roster's constructed and all, and 
Uh, you know, Khan obviously came out and obviously said that <laughs> Darnell's a tight end. We knew that. You would think that this team's going to lock up uh, Pat Pat Fryermuth later in the offseason. I can't see they'll figure out something to do with Connor Hayward. Uh, then I guess, and then what are they going to do at fullback? Is Connor Hayward going to be part of that fullback? Uh, does Rodney Williams slot into any of this whatsoever? Uh, especially the fact that he's a special teams guy and Jonu Smith at his really Jonu Smith. That that's one of the first things I ran and looked at. You, you've got me so conditioned or we've conditioned ourselves over the years, uh, what can he offer on special teams, especially a tight end? And there's not much there with Joni Smith. If you did, if I, I'm, I'm not going to rule out the, the plausibility, because I think it'd be stupid to do, especially with a connection to Arthur Smith and the way this team's probably going to use uh, multiple tight ends and all like that. I will say this. If something does happen with Joni Smith and the Steelers, I can't imagine that being more, he was, what did I say he was scheduled to make? Like six million, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. this, this upcoming season. So obviously his market value is probably going to be lower than that. I mean, if you could get a Joni Smith for around three million, I mean, is, 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 is that plausible? I suppose so. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is. If, if they were going to put Hayward into more of a fullback type role, which I don't know exactly how I feel about because traditionally the fullback in Arthur Smith's offenses are more of the true lead blocker and high and Hayward's kind of more each back ish. But I mean, you know, Washington's not going to offer much in the past game. You want to compliment the Friar move, you know, they're going to be tight end heavy. I mean, his offenses are always about having, you know, four tight ends on the roster and a fullback. I believe that's what they had last year in Atlanta to open up the season. So, you know, it's possible. I mean, you know, he did have a couple of years in, in New England. He didn't immediately follow Smith to right. Atlanta. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to dismiss it. I mean, obviously, if you could get him on a, a veteran benefit deal, I mean, you sign up for that instantly. But I would imagine his market value is going to be a little bit stronger, mm-hmm. uh, probably doubly strong, at least doubly stronger that than than that. And also, if you're going to spend three to four million dollars on 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 a guy like that at tight end, then you got to have a plan. At least in my opinion, uh, you got to get him anywhere from 350 to 500 snaps on, on the offensive side of football. Now, could, could they do that with the way we think that this offense is, is going to going to go with the heavy personnel, more tight end? Yeah, I, I think you could, could, could definitely do that. But, uh, uh, yeah, to me, the link is there. I think it comes down to price and how you think you can fit them into your offense. Yeah, still working on the fit. I mean, I think you can do it. it it's not the cleanest fit, but just knowing the, the collection of tight ends, it's, it's certainly possible, you know, other than that. And I got this, I had this big revelation fear that Brock Bowers is going to end up on the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. I guess that, that is a, a realistic scenario, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, we'll see how, is he going to work out? Do we know if he's working out? Or no, I say he's going to uh, not work out. They get the combine and work out at his, at his pro day, I believe was his, his intent. I uh, did not see, but uh, he is a guy that, uh, I mean, if you did, I don't think the Steelers go down that path, but uh, oh, if, no. they, if, if they did, that would be a bad path to go down. Uh, you'd obviously have to take him early, uh, uh, but I, I just, I got the sinking feeling he's going to end up with the Bengals. Yeah, they need the help and I can certainly see that happen. So uh, a- any other, anything else we're missing from Combine uh, the first day here, Dave, that we need to uh, discuss? No, I can't wait to get to the, I uh, can't wait to watch the uh, the cornerbacks and the safeties work and then uh, so a few of the wide receivers and then obviously the offensive linemen uh, later on in the week. 
Yeah, I think the safeties, you know, who will emerge? Because that safety group, there really isn't that. It's, it's like it's it's the Minnesota kid, uh, Newbin Nubbin, how do you say it? And then Cameron Kinchins and uh, Boy, Bullock, how, how far have you gone down that Jaden Hicks rabbit hole? Whew. Not far. You tell me. Well, I mean, we, we have, don't we have we got a profile on him, don't we? Didn't we do? Uh, yeah, I didn't write the profile, but yeah, we do have a profile on. Yeah, and you look at uh, you look at, at least you know from the highlight end of it, man. That, that that's a hit. That's a heavy hitter there. I mean, I want to uh, bring him up because you got my attention in that post that uh, I think Ryan did that one, didn't he? I believe so. Yes, Ryan. Robert. Uh and. He's got my attention to, to to dive deeper on, and if you're going to wait wait and do something in in you know say the fourth round or something, uh, that could potentially be a target there. Yeah, again, I think you know there's a chance for somebody to really emerge and and begin cementing themselves in the upper echelon of this conversation. Who it'll be, I don't know. I, I Bo Braid from Maryland. I, I I liked some parts of his tape, but I just thought he was really stiff in a change of direction. How will he look and? And drills, and if he does do the agility times and and and, uh, and, and uh, what am I trying to say here? The agility workouts in terms of the three cone and short shuttle that'll be really key for him. Um, and then Tyler Owens from Texas Tech. I don't know if you saw the comment from from Owens. Does not believe in space. So that's a <laughs> that's a new one for me at the combine. Uh, and obviously, you got a blue chipper uh, uh, or a a uh, power five guy in uh, Javon Bullard out of Georgia. Uh, I think he's an underclassman too, isn't he? That that yes. declared. So that could be a guy that uh, we dig deeper into. And then as we talked several weeks ago, both those Miami safeties, I think, need digging into. Yeah, Kinchins could be the first safety. James Williams, I want to see how he runs. There's a question, could he move to linebacker? He was moved there for the Senior Bowl. Um, he's kind of got that box safety linebacker hybrid type of vibe. I know Tom Mead had the report on him on Thursday. Didn't come away. Super impressed overall, kind of middling on him. But I think how he tests may determine how the NFL views his future position. And we're going to be hearing a lot about uh, Sion Vaki out of Utah. Uh, 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 very, uh, uh, isn't he the one that went uh, played a little bit of running back as mm-hmm. well too? And yep. did did he do some returns too? I'll have to check that. But athletic running back, right. uh, defensive back, yeah, he's kind of worn a lot of hats. Yep. Right. All right. Uh, anything else we got to talk about? Did we did we forget anything here? Give us a quick uh, cap update. No significant news, but you did have a post since our last podcast. So what's the word on the cap? Yeah, and that's just uh, a uh, update on the heels of Jeremiah Moon signing or you know being under officially under contract now, and that ate a little bit into the available salary cap space. So as I have the team right now, uh, eight point eight eight five, almost eight point eight eight six million under the cap uh, as we sit here today. And this will obviously you would think that number is going to grow a little bit over the course of the next two weeks, either by, I don't know, an extension by Cam Hayward. I think it's too early for an Alex Highsmith restructure, but that could obviously happen. And then, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see the elephant in the room, what happens with uh, Alan Robinson, the second keep an eye on the Patrick Peterson situation as well, too. But they, they are going to open up more uh, uh, salary cap space over the next couple of weeks. Also did a deeper dive into the hierarchy of, uh, remember us having that hierarchy conversation and all like that. You go all the way back to, remember what a big stir it was that year. What was it? 2014, where right out of the shoot, the Steelers signed Mike Mitchell, five <laughs> years, $25 million. I think I was actually 
in Vegas on vacation uh, when when that news broke uh, overall. And it was, a, I think, it caught a lot of people uh, uh, off guard, I think, when that did happen. But even at that time, what did I put out there on Twitter? He was like the seventh or eighth highest paid, you know, as far as hierarchy on the Steelers. APY goes at the time there. So once again, I I think it'll be a bit of a surprise if if any outside free agent that this team signs this year. I think you could see one or two maybe crack the Larry Ogan Joby nine point something million APY number, but I think it's uh, uh, asking much uh, for, 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 for anybody to crack that, uh, Cam Hayward number there. So, but there is a large gap in between Ogan Joby's number APY and, 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 and Cameron Hayward's number there to, to see if they slot any of those, uh, outside free agents in, 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 into that space there. Good information there. Remember when we could vacation in March? <laughs> Can't do that anymore. Oh, there's no, Lord. there's no, there's no start of free agency vacationing, uh, in today's NFL world. Man, the, the NFL calendar does not stop here. Shall we get to some emails real quick? Yep, let's get some emails and close out today's show. All right. Uh, Brett's back in here. A uh, little lengthy again, but I'll read a couple of these. I uh, wanted to follow up on a discussion place of the uh, places the students should target a free agency to spend that can fit their need to uh, for cash. Uh, spending without set upsetting the salary hierarchy. He says there are three positions I think could thread that needle. He says punter, uh, Alex and Josh had lengthy discussion about this as a need opportunity. So I have nothing to add to that, except to the point that even a top of the market deal here would not upset the salary structure point taken. I mean, I, I haven't even looked at, have you looked at, have you guys looked at free agent punters, Alex? No, aside from Tommy Townsend being a pending free agent and with the chief signing Matt Ariza, that may be a signal that Townsend will not return. And certainly him coming to Pittsburgh would not hurt my feelings. All right. So, uh, uh, Brett, I mean, look, obviously, if they wanted to whoever and I have not even looked at the free agent punters. So but if they did attack that. <laughs> they could obviously uh, do that, uh, do so, uh, 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 not hurt the cap uh, a lot and also not hurt the hierarchy. He also has nose tackle in here. He says defensive end is too expensive in the market to get that, get the right one, but you could get a top end nose tackle and still fit in the sweet spot. Uh, Dave discussed less than Cameron Hayward. Essentially he says that could also allow you to move Benton to end, which is probably your best option to fill that position long-term. Uh, not enough other options in the draft, he says. Well, you have been uh, adamant, Alex, about thinking that Benton should stay put. Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% opposed to him playing in. I know he did some last year when Hayward went down. I just, you know, keep keep the guy where he played well last year. He needs to play more in sub packages. That's my big thing. Whether you want to call him in or, or no stack, he needs to play in sub packages. And he's kind of getting blocked a bit by Hayward and Okajobi and their pedigree and salaries and all that. But that's kind of my my number one thing there with uh, with Keanu Benton is making sure he's working into nickel and sub package more than than he was overall last year. All right. He also has tight end here. He says, this is probably a surprise, but I'll ask you, do you really have the right tight end for the new scheme? Blah, blah, blah. He, I think he goes on to, uh, uh, anyway, he, he has tight end here and we kind of just briefly talk, talked on that by talking about, uh, Joe new uh, Smith a little bit there. Let's move on to, uh, Chris Warren, uh, with the cap going up, 
wouldn't you agree that it is more critical for the Steelers to lock up their own free agents that they want to keep as quickly as possible? He says, I think that the thing to remember is that the cap isn't being increased for the Steelers only. All teams enjoy the increase, so the market value for each player will naturally reset. So if you value guys like Levi Wallace or Armand Watts, and you should try to lock them up now before the value placed on them by other teams naturally increases. Am I thinking about this the right way? Chris, I get what you're saying there. Uh, and I would, I would, uh, here, here's the thing. I, when I, when I think it being important to lock up uh, free agents, I'm thinking about guys that are worth uh, locking up uh, uh, a, a nice APY uh, uh, amount there. When you bring up guys like Levi Wallace or Armand Watts, I'm not going to spend the money uh, above what I feel their market value is just to, just to lock them up uh, because because of other teams and the cap naturally increases. Uh, and I, I think Omar Khan, and I trust he'll look at the situation uh, the same way. To me, Levi Wallace is, <coughs> excuse me, is a minimal value value player, uh, if not just slightly uh, higher than that. I'm not going to get myself into, <coughs> excuse me, a bidding war with Levi Wallace, especially when he doesn't offer me anything on special teams. Armand Watts is a uh, uh, an interesting conversation there. Do I think that Armand Watts is worth more than a, 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 a minimal contract? Yes, but not by much. I would like to see them try to get him back, but I'm not going to knock myself out uh, to, to, to get that done. Uh, just the same. Sure. I mean, yeah, to the question, you're always looking at your own and, and who you have, and that's kind of where you start your, you know, roster building off season, and in free agency plan, but in terms of the value, again, the combine is, is partially to to for these guys to judge and gauge their value in terms of what they they could expect out there if they do become on the uh, do hit the open market. And a lot of these guys want to look and see and see what they could potentially get out there, as opposed to taking what the team's offering right off the bat. The legal tampering period offers that. The combine offers the opportunity to explore some of those things. So they're already kind of gauging and have an understanding of what their, their market value is and what potential opportunities are. And Pittsburgh does not have any major free agents this year. I mean, there are some guys that will be resigned that I do want to see resigned, Watts included, but it's not Killebrew. like there's a Killebrew. What about, and, and I'm not saying he must be, but one thing we have not talked about much is Montrevious Adams as a pending free agent. Is there any interest to keep him? Uh, veteran benefit contract if he wants it pick it up uh off the front door okay fair enough yeah i mean i i'm not not jonesing for him to return it's benton's job but you know i think it's just it's a weak class of free agents and adams probably played as many snaps as almost any pending for agent did last year uh look i i think in the final hours of uh in that tampering period up until the first couple of hours into free agency i think you'll see this team resign a couple of these extremely low level guys yeah i agree all right, let's uh, see if we can fit another one in here. Uh, uh, James writes in, keep up the great work. Two questions. I think you should do a free agent mock. Uh, have have each of your writers pick a low and high-end free agent that the Steelers might get, uh, and he has several positions here. He says, what do you think about uh, the Steelers are more likely to do with the $30 million hypothetically spending in free agency? Uh, sign three 10 million AAV free agents or sign five, 6 million, uh, 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 type of free agents there. I, I tend to think that the, the, the three, 
uh, of the round of 10 million types would be more up their alley than it would be the five at 6 million type. And I know that's a loosely uh, based question you asked there, but I mean, if I'm playing off of just the choices that you gave me there, I would, I, I, I could see them going the three, uh, 10 million a- uh, uh, average per year free agents more so than I could do see the five at six million. Yeah, I think that's about right. I think you'll see similar off season to you know, last year, the year before, maybe a bit more, but I would say they're going to sign two, three starting caliber type players and a couple guys, a, a tier or two below that. Let me hit this one from Brian Tolini before we get out of here. I know you guys are probably more focused on the combine right now, but I wanted your take on a specific name in free agency. I think defensive line is a big need, and my guess is that it gets addressed in both free agency and the draft. But the 49ers, Javon Kinlaw, he has is a free agent uh, circled. He has size, the Steelers like, and the pedigree. And while he should probably be considered a bust from being a top 15 pick, he's still only 26 years old. There aren't many guys with his size and his best football could still be ahead of him if he finds the right fit. That is a very interesting name you throw out there uh, because of the pedigree and because of kind of the need. I'm trying to remember what did uh, PFF have on a market uh, value on him? I had it pulled up the other day. Uh, what's your thoughts real quick on 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 on, on Kinlaw? Yeah, that makes sense. Again, hadn't explored it too much, but checking those boxes, yeah, never really, you know, panned out as a former first round pick. But yeah, I can I can see that for sure. Uh PFF has a projected contract on him of one year five point five five million. That's doable. Yeah, it is. I think ideally you can you want to get two year deals with these guys mm-hmm. if you can, especially kind of with some uncertain future about Ogjobi being a free agent next year and Hayward, you kind of hope will play for twenty twenty five, but can't bank on that, I guess. So I think you want to try to do two year deals, but from an average yearly value standpoint, that's reasonable. I mean, when you look at this list, PFF has put together uh, based on value and, and and rankings. They have Chris Jones at the top, Justin Matabuke. Uh, both those guys aren't, aren't going to be Steelers. Christian Wilkins, he's not going to be a Steeler. Leonard Williams, probably not going to be a Steeler. DJ Reader, probably not going to be a Steeler. Grover Stewart at 30.3 years of ages. I, I guess if the price was right on that, but they've got him three years at $11 million average. You're not, it feels like you're not going to, uh, the Steelers aren't going to sign a guy like Grover Stewart over the age of 30 to a three year, let's say $33 million contract. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, uh, $10 million average. Feels like that's out of price. Tierra Tart. Feels like that's overpriced. Uh, Fletcher Cox, who I think we mentioned the other day, uh, uh, going to be a, the Eagles. Uh, it feels like the Eagles are going to cut him with a June first uh, designation. His contract is set up to do that. Uh, is he worth nine million that PFF thinks he's worth? I don't know about that. Yeah, um, wouldn't strike me as something that they're intent on doing. Although. Weren't there rumors, was it last year, about a potential trade? I don't know how valid those were, and that was a year ago. That's and, the most- he, and he has said that he'd like to play mm-hmm. with Cam Hayward for what it's worth. I mean, if the price is right on Cox, obviously, and, and to me that price would have to be like $5 million or, 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 or less, because he's probably only got one year left. And he might be, there's some talk that he might even retire. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, he is up there in age, 33.2, and you're not going to, you know, Hopefully you're not going to throw $9 million at a guy like that for, 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 for one season. I wouldn't yeah. think they would. Uh, You're trying to get younger on defense, which that would not help that cause. 
And I mean, you, I, long story short, if you scroll down this list, I mean, he's got they got Ray, uh, uh, Ray, Raquan Davis uh, from uh, the Dolphins on here at two years, three point seven five million. Uh, I suppose that could maybe be an option. And then what? Adam Butler, a guy that Jonathan Hightritter was banging the table for a year ago or whatnot, thinking that 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 could be a fit. He should be cheap. Uh, uh, coming off of uh, the year with the Raiders there. And then really, you know, I, I, I think the, the, the listener was Javon Kinlaw of all the guys on this list, quite honestly, you know, seems like the most plausible cheap option. Yeah. makes a lot of sense. I think that is certainly, if not Kinlaw, somebody in that realm, but Kinlaw seems to be the guy that fits the most three and a half sacks last year, 20 tackles, have some injury issues. I think in 21, 22, some kind of health in, Durability concerns there, but that'll reduce his price. All right, uh, might that guy enter the uh, the mock free agent, the, the Kazora mock free agent plan? In my like, uh, my, the the plan he's talking about in my mock off season, which your, people your mock, have been asking about. Your mock off season. Tell the people yeah. about that. Yeah, Dave, it's a yearly thing I do, kind of my one big, massive, fun. I put on my GM hat and I run the Steelers, and typically it goes pretty poor, but that that's coming up <laughs> uh, in a in a couple of weeks before the start of the new league year for sure. All right, uh, got so, several more questions in here, but we're going to table them until I guess Monday. Here we got a uh, busy rest of the weekend coming up with the covering the combine here, and uh, I suppose we'll be back on Monday. Uh, do they do anything on Monday? The O-lineman bench, but that's really it. Okay. So it's a, it's a minor note to close right. out the week. All right. So we should be able to have a pretty good wrap-up show of the Combine on Monday there, and we'll try to get to some more of these questions and obviously any other news that happens with the Pittsburgh Steelers between there. All right. This turned out to a fa- be a, a fairly long show overall, but uh, uh, until Monday, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steelers Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteelersDepot.com, hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad-free version of the site, SteelersDepot.com, hit the ad-free button. Follow the directions that way. Remember, we got the tracker up on the site. We got the uh, two, multiple trackers. We got the combine uh, results tracker. We've got the uh, 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 formal and informal uh, visits at the combine tracker up on the site. So we invite everybody to stop by and keep checking on that throughout the weekend as well too going to keep all of us busy here this next several uh through the weekend hours and through the weekend here so until monday as always thanks for listening to the terrible podcast with dave and alex